and welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. And I'm Jordan Crook. And I'm Daryl Etherington. And I feel really targeted right now, but that's okay. That's wow. that's fine. I can't um, say that in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> uh, every week we review a new streaming show or movie. This week we're going to talk about Kunk on Earth, which is a comedy series on Netflix. We're also going to recap the latest last of us episode before yeah, we, we do that i want to talk a little bit about disney earnings um a lot of it was sort of not necessarily directly about streaming so we don't have to get into too much detail um disney is going to be laying seven thousand people off uh there was also this fun little piece of um kind of backstage boardroom drama that that bob Iger dropped in in an interview with cnbc where he mentioned that ike perlmutter who was the owner of Marvel before Disney acquired it. And I think for a long time controlled the film division within Disney. Um, and until Kevin Feige, who I think everyone sees as kind of the, the, the architect of Marvel's success in the movies, um, was basically moved out from under him in 2015. And and Iger sort of just apparently like in the interviews, like, yeah, you know, I tried to get me to to fire Kevin Feige in 2015 and I wouldn't and so, or he tried to fire Kevin Feige in 2015 and I stepped in and stopped that and mm. um I tried to get me to fire. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Ike is has been like I think is still upset about that, which is just a fun little thing to to drop yeah. publicly. Um because I think there there was this sense that like uh, a lot of when people complained about how Marvel was want, run in the early years and they were kind of like not paying any of the, the the stars enough and like were sort of like not putting any of their women or minority superheroes on the big screen. A lot of people attributed that to, to Perlmutter. I mean, who's also like a Trump supporter and just kind of seems like uh, kind of like an old crank who's still <laughs> running yeah. Marvel, the, you know, uh, the, the business, but they just, you know, pulled out the big money-making parts, the the movies and TV, and let Kevin Kevin Feige run it. Um, but that also is not directly related to to streaming. The big streaming-related news was that um, Disney Plus actually lost subscribers for the first time. Um, it, it lost two point four million subscribers. Although I think that was mostly related to. Disney plus Hotstar in India losing uh, the rights to like Premier League cricket. So uh, not necessarily a big indicator. And actually, it's still growing in like the US and Canada. Um, and also that Iger said that so the plan has been for the last few years that Disney would take full ownership of Hulu in 2024. And he said, uh, we're not necessarily going to do that. We're, we're weighing all the options for Hulu which is him signaling to the market that potentially Disney could sell Hulu instead of fully buying it up. Um, Probably with like what's going on in the macro economic landscape, right? Like you got to just double down on your biggest moneymakers, which is parks for now. Do you think they'll actually sell it or do you think they'll just like waffle around as, as is so that they can carry on in a more aggressive strategy later? I think that the thing that will be difficult for them is to keep the status quo. So right now they have full operational control, but they own two thirds and the other third is owned by Comcast. Right. And because Hulu, you know, way back in the 
prehistoric ages of streaming started out as this joint venture between all the different um, Mm -hmm. uh, media companies and slowly, primarily through the acquisition of Fox, uh, Disney took a controlling interest in it. And so I think basically the, uh, the deal is that they, Disney has is supposed to buy it, the rest of it from Comcast in 2024. And if they're not willing to do that, I think that might be kind of a put up or shut up moment because Comcast is like, well, why are we holding on to this if you're not going to buy it from us? Like we maybe we'll buy it from you. Mm. Um, I think the other issue with Hulu is that it's not an international service. And that seems like where all the growth is right now. So even though I mean, right. my sense is that in the U.S., like Hulu is doing quite well, is is that that basically is sort of limited in terms of how much it can grow because it doesn't really, it hasn't, you know, had, I think for a bunch of like rights reasons and I, I don't know all yeah. the reasons, but basically it, it it's not really going to be a service that launches internationally in a big way. No, it's it can't be unless they untangle all the licensing stuff they've done. Like all those shows are re- resident on... I can just speak for Canada, but I know it's similar in other markets and like other local uh, networks and and content providers that are like, oh, we have these longstanding licensing deals with you for over the top. And then they converted a bunch of those to streaming or like extended them to streaming back when those people were like, well, we don't care about those markets. Um, I think they are changing there too. And I think they like increasingly seem to indicate that they want to own more of their presence in international markets as well. It's complicated by a bunch of stuff, including, including like local content laws. So if they launch here, like they have to have a certain percentage of the content on the service has to be Canadian, like Canadian created, which can be a problem for some of them. Cause they're like not interested in that. Um, so yeah, there's a whole bunch of issues, but like it sucks. Cause like, you know, you're just like, oh, that's on Hulu. And then in Canada, I'm like, well, where is it? And then I always have to use, <laughs> basically, I just use Just Watch for all of this stuff. Like the justwatch.com, like that you can just type it in. Tells you where everything it is. And so, yeah, it tells you where it is. And it, and it is very good at like, be, like localizing for different markets to tell you where stuff is. But most of the time, the answer for that and for Peacock is like, for a lot of Hulu originals and for Peacock is like, nowhere. And then it's like, well, guess what? I'm going to pirate it. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. I want to watch the show and you can't give, you're not giving me any way to access it. So you're losing, you're all losing out, but I don't know, whatever. That's fine. So, yeah, I, I mean, I hope they, I hope they figure that shit out, whatever way they do it. I don't know if it's like just collapsing it into Disney plus and star or whatever, or I, you know, some other strategy, but I would love to see more of these companies take a more like holistic international approach just selfishly. Yeah, that makes, I think that there's also a scenario where they take full control of Hulu. Hulu operates as a standalone service in the U S and then basically all the Hulu originals just show up in Disney plus on right. like the hot star channel in uh, internationally. Um, I, it is a little bit of a bummer to me in the sense that just I, as an adult, um, care a lot more about Hulu as a service than I care about Disney plus. I mean, I subscribe to both and they're both fine, but sure. if, if I was like, if I were to pick the one that I thought was better, I would certainly pick Hulu, yeah. but I can understand it from a business perspective. That may not be true. I'm pretty bored with this. So. Well, I, isn't it more exciting that Iger was like, 
Oh, don't worry. You get a sequel to Frozen, another one. And then you want another Toy Story? Fucking yeah. Here's Can't another Toy Story. They're making another Toy Story. That's crazy. And then Tim oh, Allen was like, cool. I'm back. And then everyone was like, no, <laughs> hopefully you're not back because that's super problematic. And he was like, fucking get ready, Woody bitches, you fucks. <laughs> okay. What about like the stuff I actually care about? Like, uh, what's the show we watched that I like with the dude who's hardened? Andor. Oh, oh Andor. yeah. Oh, that. Don't worry about that. That's coming. I'll We're getting that. And I would do a few more Star Wars movies too. That'll yeah, happen they, too. That'll happen. Yeah. But are yeah, they all going to be like one-offs, <laughs> or are they going to continue the main story? There's supposed to be a new continue. trilogy, which I think they. But it's a net new, new trilogy. It's not supposed to be Skywalker. They didn't cancel that, right? No, I mean, I think it's just not. I, they like make announcements and they're all slightly contradictory, and it's not right. clear who's working on what. Because, like, um, Patty Jenkins was working on a Rogue Squadron movie. That's not happening. Oh, they realized uh, that Patty Jenkins is terrible at making movies, which we all realized. We had, wow. we were, listen, we were all just, we were all, I don't know what. There were, we were in a, it was the time and the place, and the first movie came out, and everyone was like, this is a good movie. It was which not. What did he make? She who? No, she. Wonder Woman and Wonder yeah. Woman 1984. Oh no, those are both bad. Yeah, guys, listen. Can I tell you something that I've noticed over time? How long do you think we've been recording the podcast? Uh, coming up on six years now, which is terrifying. Six years. Okay. Get out of here. So when we started recording the podcast, I was 28, and I'm 34 now, uh-huh. younger than both of you. Smile. Thank you. Good. Yes. Um, what I noticed, I always thought it was so weird how you guys knew like filmmaker and showrunner names like i just thought that was like a weird like how do they why are they memorizing this and how do they put them together and stuff uh-huh. and it was just because you're older than me because i can do it now too i mean not with the star wars <laughs> not with wonder woman because i don't give a shit about it but i'm like this looks really familiar i think it's ryan murphy and i'm like fuck i'm old now oh i see I, I those jamokes were doing it is jamoke Seven. a bad word by the way i've been saying it a lot lately i haven't heard any mm. reason to is it like got a racial connotation out. or is it just like you're kind of dumb i have find out anything. so that we can find out whether to edit that out yeah let's, yeah let's be yeah. particular because i just found another one that i had no idea that henry told me about and now i'm like maybe i shouldn't just say it because no, in case no, we don't it's, it's edit old-fashioned but it has no sort of like racial mm. connotation i think yeah it's got like a jersey vibe to it so i wasn't sure if it was also got a ethnic origin or etymology but it sounds like it doesn't it sounds like Not we're clear on webster so we're all clear email it's a go word in 2023 yeah um, but yet there will be more star wars movies i think that it seems like every few months what the plan is seems to change so who knows what the actual next star wars movie will be Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, let, let's talk about the Star Wars of 2023, Kunk on Earth. Yeah, that is Again, right. a new series on Netflix or a co-production of Netflix and BBC. Daryl, you were the one who recommended we watch this. So what is it? So it's a uh, fake documentary, a mockumentary, I suppose, um, starring Diane Morgan playing a character that she has previously created and portrayed uh called philomena kunk and uh it's it's meant to be like a tr- a tr- more traditional bbc documentary uh history documentary but she doesn't know anything at all and 
also, <laughs> but like something she does know. Something she does know, like about how democracy the is, is dead. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, no, the, I mean like actual things, like oh, yeah, yes. So it, like I think the moment that it came takes. out of was Brexit, because the original series was uh, Kunk on Britain, and it was like, oh, look at our beautiful country, but it was kind of like we're all idiots and this is bad but in and her position i think is meant to be the uneducated british public like she's a member of the uneducated british public it's from charlie uh booker is Rooker. one of the co brooker is the one of the co-creators and so he's from um uh black mirror so he has a sort of acerbic wit right and then this has that i it's kind of like um Ali G and you know the various other Sasha Baron Cohen characters in that you know it's real interviews with sort of real experts yes people who I, I don't know how much they are or aren't actually in on the joke in terms of like I think um, they're in on it entirely I right. I needed that I needed to believe that they were and we're yeah. told like just take this seriously she's gonna be flinging some weird ones at you so just right stay focused up but they do seem annoyed a lot of the time uh but like you're meant to the audience is meant to believe that they are just credulous professionals and like right that think that this is a real documentary and are being asked real questions i I don't know that you have to that you're it's trying to like trick you into thinking that but that's definitely like you never see them break, right? It's, yeah. it's filmed as if. No, you do once real. at the very end, and I needed oh, that's right. it. Yeah. The woman laughs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one and was good. you could tell that she was like holding it in for a while. <laughs> right. Well, and you also I, realize that all of the inter- interviews, the way they're cut, which I mean, usually you see them, you know, like it's not like one. They cut away. A, she a says a thing that is absurd, and then they cut away. They cut away, as in like the. The person's response could. The person's like, "I'm out of here," or whatever. Hold the skit, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but there are some yeah. hilarious. So if a lot of people and probably will not have seen Kunk on Britain if they're watching this because it was only available on BBC. Uh, it's actually available in full on YouTube if people want to watch it. As is uh, Kunk on Earth, and they seem to not be concerned with doing DMCA takedowns for whatever reason with these. So. You can watch it in its entirety there, but the there's there's a there's a few of the experts are in that series. At least one of the experts is in that series, and then it also in this one, which is fair. And it's one of the more stern, like does not like it, and yet has weird moments of sympathy. I really like the guy. I don't know who he is, but um, I don't remember any of their names. But anyways, it's it's like that. But it's it's there's 20 30 minute episodes and it's really dense with jokes right it's one of those things where you're like there's almost times where you're like oh there's there's too much joke density and i need to take a break from some of these jokes for a while or i'm gonna miss these ones especially when some of them it felt like some like there was a density that put us over the edge of quality like there was a time for quantity over quality there that i was like there were some things that she was mispronouncing. That was I, just, I love was, them. I think no, it was great. Some of them were good. And some of them were like, it's too much. You just could have said that sentence and let it be. I think because the mispronunciations are really dumb. It just depends on your mood. Like yes, one of them exactly. is where she's like, what is a renaissance? Yeah. <laughs> Depending on your mood, <laughs> that's brilliant or just so stupid. I mean, yeah. it's both. It is. So 
can like my high level take on this was that like I did laugh a lot, but a lot of it I felt like was anxious laughter. And like I am not the kind to get like secondhand embarrassment a lot. Yeah. Like I I really enjoy shows like The Office and stuff that I think some people like can't tolerate watching someone embarrass themselves. Right. Um, but for some reason the this really like ratcheted up the stress for me, particularly around the interviews. And I think that's why I say like I needed to believe that they were in on the joke, because if they weren't, I was like really uncomfortable. Right. There was one guy who was like pretty combative early on that I appreciated because he was like, this is fucking stupid. And it made me think he maybe wasn't in on the joke, but he at least was standing up for his principles. Hmm. And then there was the woman at the end that laughed and that helped me a lot. There was a woman in the middle who was told to say something that she clearly disagreed with down the lens. And that really upset me. Oh, that was great. <laughs> I loved it because she did it, though. It was so right. that one was very good. That was very good. Was she good just... But it was upsetting. Like, it's like, again, that laughter comes from this place of like the tension being so high on my discomfort that I like had to release it some way. Yeah. Not that it wasn't funny because it was funny, but it was also like really uncomfortable funny for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think the discomfort is part of it, but it's also I I mean I wrote a, what I loved about it was like in the context of you're doing a post Brexit thing and like the people are being so apparently patient with her and you're kind of like, oh, this is like the reality that we have to live in now because people are like it's there's a there's a particular expert. There's like I think there may be a couple, but there's one specific American expert who really ramps it up to the point where I'm like this is a great illustration of like how already used to it they are in America and how the guy's just like, yeah, like, no, that is, this is uh whatever. And it just answering in the most like patient and like, um, I don't know, pedagogical, like he's, it just sounds like a patient teacher to just the absolute stupidest fucking things in the world that she's saying. And it felt like he's just you feel like, like oh, Americans yeah. are more like that than the British. Is that what I you're felt saying? I just felt like he was, he's like, I'm unfazed because I'm very used to assuming Talking that the public has this level of knowledge and intelligence. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> Canada's great, I hear, with all 12 of you. Yeah, we're all good. It's interesting you keep bringing it back to sort of the Brexit, post-Brexit context, because I definitely didn't read it that way as much. And, and I read it as more just like this very absurdist character. It makes it sense that you would, yeah. frame her that way but i do think that i'm not just framing it that way that's the way it was created right not... right right yeah, yeah i i just think i mean my <laughs> sense of it again not having seen the earlier ones like my sense of watching the show is that it's it, it's not doesn't feel that pointed to me anymore right. it's more just kind of like oh like here's this really weird like funny woman who asks these kind of insane questions that are more absurdist than anything as opposed yeah. to political. Like she also has like these long tangents about her, her mate, Paul and her right. ex Sean. Always I Paul and Sean. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Her mate Paul and her ex Sean. Those were good actually. And then she has a cousin <laughs> too, I think. As much, but Sean was, that must've been from Brexit. Cause I don't remember a cousin, but I did like the ones about Sean buying takeout with onion 
And it made Vagi? his breast stink. Yeah, the onion vagi, yeah, yeah. yeah. It made yeah, his breast that... stink, and why should I have to pay for half of that? Yeah. And the woman's like, well, when you put it that way, <laughs> you're right. You shouldn't. Yeah, that was very good. I think that, yeah, I think you're right with this series. Like, I think they've just kind of enjoyed the character, and it's, like, less about doing, like, incisive biting. Um, In the social commentary. One, did they do pump up the jam or did they know they had a different they had like a different that? song i forget what it was but it was it was oh it wasn't a song it was the opening credits to like some 1970s british sitcom and they just played it the entire time and it was great because it was very weird <laughs> i don't know anything about it but i really liked that danny wasn't watching because she was working and stuff but every time it came on she would look at me and be like do they do yeah. this in every episode and i was like yeah and I get so delighted that I can't read the little like hidden. Oh, the captions are message. great. You gotta read the captions because they get yeah. crazier with each episode. <laughs> <laughs> I would always start them. By the time I was like, oh, I realized that this is happening. I should read this. And I would get halfway through and it would be over. Oh, yeah. I've had the opposite problem where I've missed the first couple because I would just be like, oh, yeah, this is happening again. And like, right. oh, shit, I got to read the, the captions as they go. Yeah, Tara missed them all because she was always like on her phone or something. And I was like, well, I also had the um, subtitles on, so I was mm. really paying attention to the fact that I didn't know the like last seventy five percent of verse one of the song. Right, and I was like, this is a great opportunity for me to learn the actual lyrics to the song, and I would get sunk into that, and then I'd be like, damn, I missed it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like pump up the jam is an anagram for jam. The jam, up, jam up the jam pump. Up the, I think that's the best joke in the whole show. <laughs> I'm almost really spoiled it for people, but I oh know. God, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, the uh, so before the only other thing that I wanted to say about this show before it went into spoilers is that I think it was like I think this is like one of the smartest things the BBC has ever done in terms of like modernizing their content or whatever for for a contemporary audience because the way that i found this and her at all was just seeing reels and of it reels and tiktoks because they it's it, every single one of her things can be just excised out and then like oh, just yeah. stand alone sizable to like yes. 45 seconds it's like and it's almost better content. that way because it's not overload right but then it's also like uh they they released it on the bbc iplayer and that has like a built-in remixing tool where you can actually like format it for portrait screens and like clip it exactly where you want it to go. So it's, That's it was clever. like, yeah, it's like this perfect. Cause, and then it, it still appeals, I think to an elder audience like me where we're like, okay, I can watch this whole thing in its entirety, but You're also elder kids, now? I'm elder now. I'm almost in senior discount territory with the, I, I think that there are many contexts in which we are, Daryl and I are now old, but in terms of audience, TV audience demographics, we're actually not. Cause you like, especially when you think about like traditional yeah, right. TV now, it's um like, remember when like there was a whole thing about how this, that Tony Romo, the average audience viewer of the CW, which is like ostensibly teen aimed is like in their fifties. Oh, right. <laughs> Can I um tell you guys something unrelated? Just like sure. Paula Jordan real quick. Last night I was so on the train home from the office on the days that I go on the way there, I do a lot of work on the way home. I do a lot of like TikTok and YouTube basically because my brain is fried and I was getting clips of the roast of Rob Lowe 
on Comedy Central. Have oh, you yeah. guys seen any of it? No. No. <laughs> Ann Coulter was on the dais with like Pete Davidson and Nikki Glaser and Peyton Manning. And like, it just made me so uncomfortable because, you know, those at those roasts, uh, none of them really hate each other. Right. right. Like they're shitting That's on each other bad. and then they hug and like they all knew what was coming and they knew what the jokes were going to be and blah, blah, blah. And like Ann Coulter was actually truly hated among the dais, among the crowd. And the jokes against her were like so intense. Mm. And then her jokes bombed so bad. And it was just really uncomfortable. Huh. Well, maybe that I'll actually makes me that. like it more because I, I feel like the thing that makes me suspicious of roasts is that sort of whole performative being in on the joke kind of thing. And yeah, so the yeah. fact that there was actual conflict. Oh, God, no, I feel like that's what makes it comfortable because they're already wow. saying such uncomfortable things. Like, I mean, there were a ton of jokes about Pete Davidson's dad dying in 9-11. Ooh. It was like oh. so uncomfortable. But like Pete Davidson's laughing. Everyone's laughing. He clearly like put it up for grabs right. as something, right? And like everyone was making jokes about Rob Lowe sleeping with a 16 year old in 1988 on a sex tape. And like that was clearly up for grabs. And like people were telling Ann Coulter to kill herself. And like that just didn't feel like up a, for grabs at right. all. Like she probably didn't say that. Didn't that feel was... like she put that on the table. Um, that's good though i mean i want to watch this now i'm gonna watch it <laughs> you should watch it it came yeah. free with apple tv somehow i was googling it huh. and i get it so i don't know if that's true for you in canada but Probably it was not. really bizarre and peyton manning did a great job and there were a lot of really funny jokes about peyton manning and jewel was there i think one of nikki glazer's <laughs> jokes was i don't want to badmouth you because god already did that because you know jewel has fucked up teeth <laughs> what oh. oh my god oh that's good that's that good. is someone else said jewel's brutal. gotta jewel's gotta leave early but her tooth will hang out oh no that's so <laughs> nice oh my god that's uh now i'll never watch this i like it because sorry to distract but i just she's it. had plenty of opportunity to fix it and she opts not to so no, she it's deserves brand. it I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm into it. I actually don't think it's that like unattractive. I don't think that all crooked teeth are unattractive. I think some no, time. It's good to have that. Yeah. I mean like versus character. like it's capped, part of a brand. Clearly like, capped straightened teeth. That's hard to deal with, you know. Now that I've pulled us way off tangent, do we have I mean, I don't know that there's we can't, much, I don't yeah, think there's anything to talk about. Hard. That's right. Yeah. We can't do that. I will yeah. say um, so are we in spoilers? Can we say officially to the listeners we're in spoilers? We're gonna talk about it. To the to the extent spoiled. that it can be spoiled, we may there, now spoil it. So Sure. Yeah. But also I don't think it's I think you can keep listening because I don't think there's really right. like spoilers, right? Yeah. Well, you ma- was... you make the call. You're an adult. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> um <laughs> So there was one line of questioning to a guy about the moon landing that mm-hmm. I really enjoyed about like the moon isn't real. And he was like, what makes you think the moon isn't real, Philomena? And that was the first time that someone has been exasperated enough to use her name and talking to her. <laughs> yeah, and that was very good. Very she good. She was like, my mate Paul sent me a video and like, you know, you, you 
just watch it and you'll you'll get it and he was like but we can see the moon like billion like billions or she said i guess you believe in nighttime too yeah <laughs> and he said i do believe in nighttime i like billions of others experience it <laughs> on a daily basis a, her story about the ba well babies they wake up screaming all the time because they know it's not real or <laughs> <laughs> it's really good <laughs> so that, that was really good yeah I would say my overall recommendation with the show is definitely watch it. And I think it's great. And yeah. I think you can peck away at it. You don't need to do it in order. It's really low investment. Watch. Oh, wait, another one. When she is messing with the Colt 45 with the gun expert and she asks if she can point it at her own <laughs> eye so she can look down the barrel. And he's like, it's generally frowned upon or discouraged mm. to do that that also made me uncomfortably laugh yeah. just testing fate but yeah so like i was I, I would recommend it and like um i think i wish charlie brooker would spend more time on this and less time on black mirror because I absolutely like so much more than black mirror um yeah and i think well of course you do you're supposed to like this and you're not supposed to like black mirror black mirror is not comfort food it's like uncomfortable art but it's not but like you, uh, well it is uncomfortable no, i think it's like i think it's meant to be uh entertaining i think i don't think it's like you have to watch this it's the punishment is, you receive for... this is gonna sound like the lowest brow thing i've said all podcasts which is tough i'm really lowering the bar every wow. step but how are we gonna get lower than we've yeah, already been watch me uh, <laughs> here to impress but like the l the l word has this whole storyline the og l word from like 25 years ago or whatever uh, has this storyline of the art the head the director of the cac bet wanting to do a um wanting to do a art show called it's like aggravations or repulsions provocations is what it's called and it's all like really uncomfortable art like jesus anally fucking someone in mm. a video and like a lot of bdsm gay stuff and again remember this is like 25 years ago right and the whole idea was like it's not supposed to come and make you be like oh flowers by monet it's supposed to like make you feel uncomfortable it's provocation yeah and i think black mirror is a provocation I think that's what it wants to be. I think that often Black Mirror is like, the problem with it is that in the first five minutes, you can sort of just map out what the rest of the episode is. You're like, oh, right. this technology is bad for this reason. And this is what the arc of the episode will be. And there's not enough creativity and intelligence and nuance to, I would say that's like often like the case with like four out of the five episodes or four out of the six. And so I'm generally not excited when Black Mirror comes back. This I found delightful, even though it is very formulaic. And, yeah. um, but I would say, yeah, my main recommendation though is you should watch it, but don't binge it because I've noticed that because Absolutely. of the density of jokes and because it, it has this kind of, it. Yes. yeah, you just the start, effect wears you, off. Yeah, get, yeah, exactly. And then when you when I took a break and then came back to it, it would be hilarious again. So like, watch one episode a night and you'll love or it. Two. Or two, or yeah. two, or two. Yeah, they're short. Yeah, but do also watch the uh, Britain stuff if if you can, because it's it's as good. I don't even think there's like a, a quality delta, even though there's been like I don't know a lot of years in between, eight years or something. But it's excellent still too. And she, I mean, 
I don't know that we gave enough credit to Diane Morgan. She does a fantastic job. Great like job. Her She's great. deadpan delivery is amazing. Right. Her yeah. look, just the look in her eyes most of the time. It's like, what are you, and the, how are you doing that? Like, I don't know how much she wrote herself, but the, the recurring jokes of like on or in, I'm on or in Rome. I'm on or in the earth. <laughs> like little things that made me really like i love i love the the repeat the bring it back yeah there are a lot of good callbacks in this i I think yeah the ones you mentioned about like her mate or whatever was also just so fantastic every time you hear it and then and the real real realization that it's like hey the that's the same name that was the like so rewarding when you realize like oh she's saying the same name it's, it's always it's the same mate paul with these crazy <laughs> conspiracy and the same ex sean right and you building yeah. up your picture of who this person is yeah it was classic all right should we Definitely. move on to the last of us yes you know it. all right so we're going to talk about please hold my hand which is the fourth episode of the last of us and and i specify partly because tonight as we record this, they're going to release the fifth episode early, right? To not oh, so they don't compete with the. I didn't know that. Yes. Tonight. So I nine nine p.m. tonight. Wow, that just changed everything about my weekend. There you go. Um, but we won't talk about that because we haven't seen it. So we're going to talk about the episode uh, where Joel and Ellie. Well, Jordan, why don't why don't you tell us what happens in this episode? Sure, I'll tell you. I felt like this is a little bit of a bridge episode, to be honest, but um. And by the way, this will also be full of spoilers. Oh, yeah. We're not not spoiling. So Mm -hmm. just buckle up if you haven't seen the fourth episode and you don't want to be spoiled. Peace. Um, Yeah. So Joel and Ellie leave Bill and Frank's in a car. They have some good bonding moments. They camp one night. They there's a joke about diarrhea which i said to danny and i and she laughed and she was like that's so gross can i just share the joke i'm sorry yeah um did you know that diarrhea is genetic because it runs in your genes oh god and they both laughed so hard and danny thought that was so gross and i knew she would hate that joke but she laughed as well and i believe that's also fueled by anxious laughter i think the moment someone says the word diarrhea to you the tension builds in a way that allows that to be a funny joke pretty consistently and i charge all of you to test it out with someone um and then they get back in the car they head into kansas city i believe is where they are they're on their way to wyoming with a goal to find Tommy and they hit a point in the highway where they can't get through a tractor trailer is blocking a tunnel. And so they decide to get off the highway and try to cut through around the city in order to get back. Naturally. Yeah. And, uh, in that journey, they see someone who is hurt Ellie's like, we should stop. We should help. Are we not going to help? And Joel knows instantly this is not that. This is a trap. They lose their car. Basically, they they get kind of ambushed. The car gets damaged and crashes. And Joel and Ellie have to kind of fight off these guys who are circling in on them. Joel gets one with a bullet, but then he gets caught up. He's trying to protect Ellie. He tells her to hide. And he gets caught up with one in hand-to-hand combat. 
and she ends up coming behind and shooting this kid in the in the belly or the hip or whatever um to save joel but the kid is alive enough to kind of like plead and beg for his life which makes it much more gruesome um and joel tells ellie go away go back on the other side of the wall and he kills him for her but a lot of the like content and thematic bonding that happens between Ellie and Joel during this episode is around the idea that he should have protected her and that she's too young to be kind of like participating in this kind of violence and these kinds of choices. Um, they are running still because we were introduced to what's that actress's name? Melanie, Melanie Linsky. Yeah, the macro is that Melanie Linsky is it seemingly that she overthrew Fedra, like the people of this QZ have overthrown Fedra. They're not fireflies, I don't think. Yeah, um, it seems like there's certainly no indication yet that they're fireflies. And, and Joel at one point is like, well, they're not fireflies. They're not Fedra. Who are they? Right. Yeah, they're like a faction. And it just seems like Kansas City QZ has formed a faction that didn't like Fedra, that didn't like the Fireflies. And so now they're this other thing, the Pitchfork townspeople, whatever we want to call them. Um, they have their own drama going on with someone named, it's not Sam, it's Charlie, uh, Anthony. Uh, it starts with an H, doesn't it? Henry, Henry, Henry and Sam. Yeah. Right. Henry. They're mad at Henry. Henry has betrayed them in some way, or they allege that he has betrayed them in some way. Henry's on the run. And so they believe that the altercation that happened between Joel and Ellie and their people was actually the work of Henry calling in aid. And so they're extra angry to find Joel and Ellie because they think it has something to do with ongoing drama. Joel and Ellie realize that they need to get to a tall spot, not only to find safety from this mob that's looking for them, but also to directionally understand <laughs> where they need to go next. So they climb the stairs of this very, very tall skyscraper and they're laying down, getting ready to go to sleep. They bond more. And again, Ellie indicates like that she might be scared, like no one's going to find us. Right. And he says, no, everything's going to be okay. And the very end of the episode is Ellie saying, Joel, 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 and waking him up. And he sees that she's got a gun pointed to her head. And so does he by two, a father and a son, basically. The only other key thing is that Melanie at one point is searching for Henry and or the other bad guys, Joel and Ellie, and her kind of like number two lieutenant, whatever, takes her into this room where the ground is pulsating. Like there are, mm. there are infected, I guess is a bloater, Probably yeah, bloater that are under there that are feeling the vibrations with their cordycep roots or whatever, and potentially trying to escape. And she chooses to deprioritize that you know, like fence off the building, contain the building, but like, let's focus on Henry first. She's obviously got, her brother was hurt by him in some way. So she's personally invested in that revenge more so than the protection of her people. And that's where we end off the episode. Hopefully that was thorough enough, but not too thorough. I know that annoys you, Anthony. <laughs> that was perfect. Um, yeah. I didn't know that. I thought they were just like, 
two young like kids like brother brother but is it brother and father the kids with the it's the father and the son, it's father I and son yeah. from the game i also oh, okay think i can't remember that melanie says she, he wouldn't let sam starve and it made it sound fatherly more than brotherly and mm. i think from the game they are father son right but i could be wrong Right, and it's implied to be Henry and Sam, although we don't know that for sure yet. Right, in terms of but they look like right. the pictures. What, they share something in common with like the doodles or whatever. Oh, the the mask and cape, like the superhero thing, right? Yeah, they uh, like Sam. I think Sam and Ellie become friends in the in the game for right. a period, and then I do remember other this things now. happen. Yeah, yeah. I remembered as soon as I saw them. Oh, I get it. I I remember this plot line, and I remembered the laundry room like the the ambush that got them in the laundromat in a gunfight where you're fighting against other humans for the first time ish you know like you've fought against fedra and the pirate dudes but mm -hmm. it feels like this is a whole new ball game they did such they're doing such a good job of the set and environment matching the game which actually when I think about it at a, at scale seems so difficult. Like, I yeah. don't know how much is CGI and closed sets and all of these things, but like they are really building something that is kind of like pixel for pixel, the same as the game, which is pretty wild. Yeah. Super impressive. Yeah. I, I would say that from a non game fan perspective, I would say that episode two, that was a little bit more impressive because it was, that like kind of, you know, like nature having taken over a city uh, mm -hmm. look that it just had this kind of like psychedelic and unsettling look, whereas mm -hmm. this felt more closer to just sort of standard post-apocalyptic ruins. But definitely, I mean, and in it's general, still just... being lived in, right? So I think there's like less of nature fully taking over and less of the right. cordyceps also taking over because there were a lot of like you know mushroom growth basically and. In the first in Austin, I think is right, and 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 I think in um, what do you call it? Close to Boston, Boston. That's what it is. Sorry, yeah. they started in Austin, then they went to Boston. Now they're in Kansas City. They're all over the map, right? Um, but I, I agree that this episode is mostly. It feels like a you know kind of taking a breath between the super intense and beautiful drama of like episode three, and and presumably much more um bigger kind of plot developments in in whatever comes next um but i thought especially all the stuff between joel and ellie like was really good and it was uh, necessary because we hadn't made a lot of progress on their i mean we made some progress on their relationship in episode three but obviously that was so focused and so much of our time was spent with bill and frank that from the moment that Tess dies to the moment we are starting episode four, there hasn't been a lot of growth there. And like mm -hmm. without them realizing that they don't just like need one another, and this isn't just about the external promises they made, but about how they feel about one another and that they bond and that their happiness comes from one another, we don't get much. So the moments where they're laughing, joking, playing, protecting guiding advising etc are like really critical and that yeah. it was kind of jam-packed with that yeah whereas the yeah the, the plot line with the 
um, with, you know, the Melanie Linsky character, who apparently her uh, second in command is is an actor from the games. Yes. Um, the girl, the beard guy. The beard guy plays Tommy in the games. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think I think in general they've like tried to he voice acts. He voice acts Tommy in the games. Yeah. And then I think maybe he did some performance capture too for the right. games. Mo cap. And I think they've tried to do uh, you know, give people in who were in the games like small roles in the show, um, which is nice. Yeah, like what's her face? Uh the leader of the Fireflies in episodes one and two was the same voice actor as the leader of the fireflies and oh that's good yeah. they gave her she's just right. actually the one she's wow. the actress she's the exact same character she just got right. to play it so uh marlene i think yeah. marlene that's correct yeah merle dandridge is the actress sure but the i think the but all that stuff felt like setup yes but yeah uh, this this was the one that was the most like oh okay like you you're not going to get a payoff or a satisfaction. This is this a bridge episode. to somewhere. Yeah. yeah. But, but like the... the cool thing is that they can do that. Like the non-game viewers have to kind of like sit and just deal with that. And hopefully they've earned enough from three episodes to be like, okay, I get it. Right. But the game, like I, I was still just maybe not just as entranced because it was still a bridge episode, but I like there are enough game bits that you're like, you just feel like you're being paid the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the other part I saw that there was like a game bit for me in this one was the way that they made it very clear that when they're threatened and then like Jill is killing people or whatever, it's like, oh, these you're just killing other people in like the same situation as you. You're not killing villains. Because um, they had a lot of like, oh, God, like we found him, which is like, more so in the second game, but maybe in the first game too, but definitely like always happening. Like you're running around doing your shooter thing and then people are like, oh, they got Dave, they got Dave, oh my God. And they're like breaking down, freaking out and crying. And you're like, oh wait, what the fuck? Like I'm doing that. I'm killing all these people. I killed Dave, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. I think they do that in the first game too. I don't think it's as pronounced as in part two, but yeah, I think that that still exists of like, we're all just humans trying to survive. Yeah. Yeah. There was this interesting longer piece in Vulture, I think yesterday by Andrea Longchu about sort of the ways in which this is and isn't a video game adaptation. I mean, the the headline, which was sort of clickbaity, was like, The Last of Us is not a video game adaptation. Um, be- because okay. the argument was this <laughs> essentially that fundamentally, like, you can't recapture the game parts of the last of us like what it what the show is is this and 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 i think overall the writer likes the show but it's like the show is basically taking all the story parts of the game but what it can't recapture is like the experience of playing it and how it feels when you're the one doing these right. things when you see yeah. and then one thing she sort of focuses on is like the fact that in the game also just joel will die a lot and like so you have this very different relationship with joel because you just see him die over and over which you don't see in the show obviously right so far yeah yeah it's true though you do like feel like you let him down Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah it is definitely right because you're at the controls and that's a lot more impact i mean it still has like 
big impact in the show, I think, but it's more impactful when you're like, oh, I'm the one doing these things, right? I'm the one who right. made, made the bad decision to run out in front of all the clickers and start shooting. Well, I'm, and I'm the one who shot that dog or whatever, and then everyone's like sad about the dog, and you're like, Jesus Christ, like this fucking sucks. I don't want to be doing this anymore, but then you keep doing it, which is like the beauty of the game. Sure. Yeah. you got to save Ellie. Yeah. And you paid for the game. Also that. Yeah, you want to get your money's worth. But even with those kind of differences, I mean, I do think like you're right that the violence in the show just has a lot of weight to it. And and one thing I noticed was when I, any scene where Ellie is handling a gun, I just immediately get incredibly tense, even though I'm kind of like, well, I'm they assuming probably she doesn't like one. accidentally shoot somebody or shoot herself. But sure. Um, She's also like Fedra trained. Right. But it feels like, oh, this is like something. I mean, maybe maybe even in a dumber thing if it was a child handling a gun i would be uncomfortable but yeah it, it well this one they like have her put it in her pocket and he's like never carry in your pocket and i was like oh don't why don't you put it in your pocket anyway i didn't like that but yeah but it, i think it was the like, same feeling I, was like, Something's the, gonna happen. I wonder if it has a safety on it it didn't feel like he was teaching her anything about the safety so maybe it doesn't have one in which case she probably shouldn't put it in her pocket but yeah, I get there's two sides to this argument, right? Of like where the violence is, because, yes, when you play the game, you take on more responsibility for the violence, which is impactful. Yeah. But again, deaths suck, but they're you just keep playing. You can't mm -hmm. lose, basically. Right. Like you never really lose anything except for a little pride. Right. Everybody comes back and you try again. Right. And if anything, that like kind of numbs it. The violence in this feels a little bit more high stakes in some ways because someone dies and they're gone for sure. Right. Yeah, right? yeah, there's no restart. In injury so. matters, right? And they're talking about the violence in ways that aren't like side chatter, you know? Like, and not that they don't talk about it in the games, but it just feels like it gets so much more screen time that I don't know. It goes both ways. Yeah. yeah, and I, I don't think it, it's that one is better than the other. It's more just like that even though overall this is an incredibly faithful adaptation of the game, there are certain things that are just going to be different because TV shows are different from Totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think overall it's in another strong episode, not like probably not the one that's one, one of the ones that people are going to be talking about at the end of the season, but still right. like very much into the show and very excited to see where it goes next. Yeah, they can't all be, this is gonna be the greatest one. episode ever. Based on, uh, without like giving any spoilers away, I think this next episode's going to be tough. I think so too. I think so. Yes. <laughs> Buckle up. I, I was debating whether to mention this, but I think it's worth touching on a little bit. It was also, I think there was like a social media dust up about this episode where, I don't know, some idiot like posted a photo of Melanie Linsky and was kind of like, oh, Can yeah. You imagine this. Like, some idiot. It was. What's her name? Adrian. Well, she commented on it. Maybe it's a different thing. But the, what's her name from America's Next Top Model, who then became sort of like a occasional. Wait, talking what did they head. say? Oh, she, well, she was like, "This is what, this is like what luxury looks like, or something." Not like the, her argument was, "You should look like uh, what's her name from Terminator in a post-apocalyptic world, not somebody who's like well-fed and like curvier." Uh, was it, no yeah. yeah yeah is this what you're talking about Adrian Curry. yeah that's exactly it was what Adrian Curry yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who that is. So when I say well, somebody, come on, Adrian Curry from America's NTM, Next Top Model. I sure don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. I remember that name, but I don't remember what she looks like. Hold on. She's one of the few who went on to then like have some kind of career, but her career was basically being like a fucking nut job on social media. Basically, uh, that's insensitive. Hey. Um, <laughs> unhinged dumb, person? person is that less <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah um, no that's a really stupid take yeah she did, well she ended up deleting her entire twitter profile because people were like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> i think it's mostly worth bringing up not because i mean obviously that's just a stupid thing to say but i think also it, it's a reminder of how also like post these kinds of post-apocalyptic fantasies in general bring out like what like bring out a certain kind of like right-wing nut job yeah where it's how did she have about... nothing to say about nick offerman too if that's the conversation we're having right of course that's like the easiest lowest <laughs> hanging fruit sure um i think it's also but it's like this thing of i mean so obviously there's like some like internalized misogyny going on there and then on top of that i think it's that when we like certain kinds of people when they see this they like to imagine themselves in this situation and like very much be like oh yeah i would be so tough i yeah. would like kill all like you know this is the world well, there's a i would be the significant winner. overlap of preppers and right uh, the it's right the wing thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. there are some so, liberal preppers in the world i i sure yeah i don't doubt it i'm just saying on the whole Right. I think prepping skews right wing. And I think particularly the part of prepping that skews right wing is the like, this would be great. I the would fantasy. Great. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the, the well, fantasy. I fantasize about it and I'm very progressive. <laughs> That's good. I, I You're breaking the mold. It's good to <laughs> occasionally just have a dose of reality of the actual version of this that would happen in reality is you're dead. You're dead. And that's well, that, not that's, me. I don't know. Not me. I'm prepped. Not me. I got. I'm so prepped up. <laughs> no one gives a shit about Toronto anyway. Uh, also, I'm a liberal. <laughs> but not when the shit goes down. Prepper. Not, then the spectrum's gone. The political spectrum. Whatever. She's just dumb. <laughs> we we never should have given her this airtime. <laughs> no, I know it's too much. No, but I I guess yeah. I don't know. I think what it is interesting is because there is that. I mean, it's the same thing of like why. Um, you're gonna you know, it. like when when like the Trump campaign, like they targeted Walking Dead, right? Like a lot of their, right. because there is something about this strain of like zombie post apocalyptic fantasy that like really appeals to to the right wing. Um, and so, and, then, and I like that this doesn't really indulge those kinds of. I can't wait for them it. to see where this goes. <laughs> oh yeah, oh god. Well, I guess they. I mean, they already got mad it. about the the games, right? They're gonna get more. Yes. Mad. They're furious about the games. Yeah, there's a lot of um, what's that trope that they? Used what are you to... talking about? The games? Oh, like the actual game? Yeah, like they. Game? I think they had that. They made that complaint that the trope of the I forget what they call it, but the like Abby? the female protagonist who like Mary is Sue. like super powered or whatever. Is it a Mary Sue thing? Yeah. Okay. I don't know what Mary Sue is, but um, yeah, they've got a lot to love coming up. Anyway, good show. So if you have watched Kunk on Earth or the fourth episode of The Last of Us and you have thoughts to share, you can shoot us an email, originalcontentpod at gmail.com. That's originalcontentpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Original Content, and we always appreciate it when you leave us a positive review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice. Thank you so much for listening. 
Jordan and Daryl, I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Peace.